And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills are entering their week four contest against the Baltimore Ravens, both teams two and one. And this is setting up to be what could be a, a, a pretty fun game. Welcome in, everybody. My name is Joe Biscali. With me, as always, my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. And we are uh, getting you prepped and ready for this game, but also kind of taking a uh, a bigger picture look at you know what this game means to the AFC, maybe the quarterback stuff, maybe from from things that we, we saw from uh, the Bills-Dolphins game that could you know, push forward and and how it could shape things moving forward for the Bills, specifically on the offensive side of things. So we'll get into all of that. But, uh, you know, this matchup, Matthew, is, is you know, when, when the schedule came out, I thought for sure that Bills-Ravens would have a shot at uh, a primetime game. But it's it's essentially it's not a primetime game, but it's essentially a national game because basically uh, the entire country is seeing this one. It's the default one o'clock um, and between two of the, the best quarterbacks in the game right now, uh, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. And I, I don't know, it's it's and high usage quarterbacks. Nonetheless, it's it's going to be a doozy. It feels like second straight week of game of the week for the Bills, and it's probably going to continue to be a theme for them uh, throughout the year. People want to watch the Bills. They are probably the the most watchable team in football right now, I think, uh, having having gone around the league on some of these uh, national broadcasts. Uh, these might be two of the most watchable teams in football, and so I think especially with the the court the way both quarterbacks are playing you have two legitimate mvp candidates at quarterback josh allen still the favorite i believe for mvp at the moment um lamar jackson has closed the gap a little bit you got jalen hurts in there patrick mahomes always always lingering but these two guys playing mvp quarterback at the same time that hasn't really happened in their careers they've kind of never been on the same page. Lamar had, you know, the earlier breakout than Josh Allen. Josh Allen sort of surged past him a little bit and and Lamar Jackson is having, you know, what looks like maybe the best season of his career so far. So and and Josh Allen's obviously been stellar as well. So it's it's a cool story to see two quarterbacks from the 2018 draft who were kind of the not afterthoughts because they were first round picks and high first round picks, but they were not the the bells of the ball. Yeah. You know, it was Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Rosen got a lot of uh, a lot of buzz, including uh, admittedly on on this show. And these were the two guys that emerged as the superstars. And now, you know, here they are. The franchises are, are reaping the rewards and three franchises that took quarterbacks uh, not named Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, not so much. <laughs> so uh, it's it's kind of an NFL draft story in a nutshell, but it makes for a really cool matchup and two super fun quarterbacks to watch. Yeah, it, they, uh, Allen and Jackson were selected third and fifth as the quarterbacks in their respective draft year. And there was some talk that Mason Rudolph could have even gotten selected before Lamar, which is absurd to think about now. But uh, but yeah, that's that's like you said, the draft in a nutshell. And the funniest part is, is that uh, the Bills could wind up with two of those uh, uh, 
players, the quarterbacks from the 2018 draft on their 2023 roster because uh, I've got Sam Darnold as the odds-on favorite to be Josh Allen's backup next year uh, just because they're boys. McDermott loved him in the pre-draft process. He wants to reclaim his career. It just... It just it just fits uh, to, to be disorienting, wouldn't it? After uh, <laughs> it sure after would. going through that whole 2018 draft process, it would be a little bizarre to see them on the same team. Kind of the same way it is with with Baker and Sam Darnold. Yeah, I know, right now. I know. Um, and Baker's going to be a backup fast. somewhere next year. Um, yeah, maybe all three of them. You know, yeah, could be in one spot. <laughs> Baker saying. and Darnold to the Bills, and they could have a nice. Nice quarterback room. They could reclaim both of them. Something tells me that Baker doesn't fit the uh, the Sean McDermott mold, but you know, certainly not as a backup. Yeah, <laughs> you know, twenty eighteen Baker coming out of the draft with that that swagger and the you know the the confidence and Twitter and fingers. That, you know, he might have. <laughs> He might, I think, you know, maybe could have worked in a certain kind of way. Uh, you know, they, you know, made players like that work. Uh, and, but as a backup, it strikes me as a, a situation that maybe, you know, wouldn't be perfect because that is a guy who, you know, is probably going to hang on to the idea of being a starter for a while. And mm-hmm. I don't know if Sam Darnold might be clinging to that, but I'm not so sure yeah. at this point that anybody else is thinking of him that way. Yeah. I mean, anyone, any one of these quarterbacks and I can't believe we're here right now, but any one of these quarterbacks will look what happened with with Trubisky after being Allen's understudy for one year and then getting a uh, starting opportunity the next, and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I want that." I mean, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty easy sell. Go there for one year, um, and you know have a pretty low cost deal from a team perspective. But you know, with the idea that you're not going to play too much, and then potentially hit a payday the next year. So yeah. Be it, be it as it may. Um, I digress uh, because Sam Darnold has nothing to do with the Bills-Ravens matchup, which <laughs> is uh, awesome in the respect of Allen versus Jackson. I think these two teams are also pretty intriguing because they have gone through some of the most injury adversity of most teams in the league, I would say. The Ravens have just been decimated on defense uh in and they lost another one this this past week their big nose tackle brandon pierce who is awesome um he is likely done for the season because of a torn biceps injury and and i believe he had surgery i thought i think our colleague jeff zrebeck who covers the ravens for us i believe he uh retweeted that this week so that's that's another big one um they're Justin Houston is another one who's who's got an injury right now, and he was their best pass rusher. Um, they signed Jason Pierre-Paul, but who knows what they're going to get from him in his in his first week if he, if, if he even plays in this game. Their cornerback situation has and the secondary has really taken a hit from a lot of different injuries. They still have Humphrey and Peters out there, but they're running out guys like uh, uh, someone with the last name of Stevens who was – burned a ton um Kyle Hamilton has been okay in a limited role but like they've got some stuff going on and the same thing with the Bills too like they uh obviously they were down to two safeties against the Dolphins we'll see if Jordan Poyer and Ed Oliver and and a bunch of others can can get back on the field but like Mitch Morse was down uh and you know, Gabe Davis was down a couple weeks ago. He didn't look right against Miami all that much. Um, yeah, they're th- these two teams. Have, what's the have been kind uh, what's of the up? What'd you what's say? The update, what's the updated rundown of the Bills' injuries as we stand here on Ooh. Friday morning? How much time do we have? Um, no, it's because uh, it was a lengthy list when they took the practice field this week. Yeah, Gabe Davis uh, was the has been the biggest story from Wednesday to Thursday because he did not practice. Um, and I guess we'll see with him, but I think it, it would probably be in their best interest to rest him for this game um, just to get him good for the rest of the season. Mitch Morse has been practicing, but you know, he practiced all last week and did not play. Uh, Ryan Bates came, came back to practice in a red Jersey 
He's in concussion protocol right now, so him getting back on Thursday is probably a good indicator that he should be okay. Um, Deion Dawkins is back from an illness. Gosh, who who else? Uh, Jake Kumaro is going to be out with a high ankle sprain um, probably for a couple of weeks here. I think that's it on the offensive ben, side of things. Benford will be out. Right, yeah, Benford. Benford just had surgery. Uh, um, Dane Jackson has been practicing. Yeah, Dane Jackson looks like he has a shot at this one, which is yeah. an encouraging sign. Remarkable, uh, considering actually. you know the way he left the field, uh, you know, against the Titans. So that's a, a positive mm-hmm. sign. Defensively, it seems like. And they played okay. They did, uh, you know, on on Sunday. So like defensively, it seems like they're going to be able to make things work. Uh, sign Xavier Rhodes to the practice squad, um, which you know he could be elevated, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. Might be a a useful piece. Certainly a yeah. guy with NFL experience that you know has transitioned well into playing zone coverage later in his career. Has some familiarity with with Leslie Frazier, so. Piecing things together on defense looks possible. As you mentioned with Jordan Poyer, I mean, not a guy that you necessarily want to rush back into things. With a foot injury in particular, you know, the more stress you put on that, you know, you're asking for for trouble. Mm -hmm. So uh, without knowing exactly what it is he's dealing with, just the nature of foot injuries in general, uh, you know, I've got Sammy Watkins flashbacks, I guess, (laughs) uh, to the handling of foot injuries, but a somewhat improved injury picture, but not dramatically. And at least the way they were at the end of that game, a lot of those guys were out with, with heat issues. Those guys have had a full week Mm -hmm. to, you know, get themselves back, uh, you know, feeling like themselves again. And, And those aren't things that you would think should, should crop up again. So at least they have that going for them and things are, are slowly creeping in the right direction, but still not a pretty picture. Yeah. Um, Poyer has has moved around pretty well in the two days of practice that I've seen so far. Um, I My guess is he'll play. Um, not super confident in it, but I my guess is he will just because he's gotten, gotten in a couple days of work, and that's usually a, a good indicator that um, if he didn't have to sit on Thursday, then... Uh, then maybe he's good to go. I'm sure if he practices on Friday, uh, then then we'll have a better indicator. Um, Ed Oliver is another one. He's had kind of a, a ramp up. Um, not sure if he's going to be able to go in this one. Um, I'd probably lean yes, just because he's been practicing now for a second straight week. Uh, so uh, so I think that would probably indicate. And they felt. Um, and they also gave us an action by releasing Prince Amelie from the um, uh, from the active roster. So we know Jordan Phillips is down this week. He's got a hamstring injury. Um, so that leaves them with Ed Oliver with only four defensive tackles on the active roster. So I think they're I think they're basically through the fire. Um, Elam looked better, and if Dane Jackson can play, this dramatically improves things. So I'm I'm not ready to sit here and go, oh, Dane Jackson's going to play because like. <laughs> I mean that that injury was nuts, but um, yeah, very glad just from a human perspective that that guy is is good and he's just very really nice guy too. Um, you, he there was about five or six waves that came up to him to his locker uh, after the first day that he practiced, and and he he made time for every single person, and he was just very genuine, authentic, and you know really really happy to be back and practicing and everything like that. So, um, so yeah, uh, if, if he is able to play, that's a, that's a huge thing for the bills because he was having, having a nice little start to a season, had a good summer and everything like that. And, um, definitely takes the pressure off the safeties if they're going to be without Poyer. But if, if this goes from not having Dane Jackson, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde to only not having, uh, Micah Hyde, this is a much improved picture from from uh, what they were a week ago, and and that's that's a big thing, especially going up against a guy like Lamar with a lot of um, a lot of implications that could happen because of this game. You know, we 
talk about, you know, a couple episodes ago, we, we talked a lot about, you know, who would be challengers to the Bills and uh, their toughest competition and, and tiers. And the Ravens, for me, were, were right in that borderline of, of top tier because of Lamar and just their, how good they can be uh, when they're fully healthy. So this one, AFC matchup, of course, AFC games mean more for tiebreaker scenarios and certainly a head-to-head situation. This is the type of team that could be there at the end, right right in the same record perspective. So a lot on the line here for, for a week four game early. Yeah, I think what's you know important to think about, even though it is only week four and you know, there's so much football left to be played and nothing that happens in this week will necessarily rule anybody out from from the race for the top seed or anything like that. But the Bills do play a tough schedule uh, because of, you know, finishing in first and, you know, everything that comes along with that. And, you know, it's a tougher schedule than some of these other teams, I think. And the AFC North doesn't look all that scary at the moment i mean those Bengals ravens games are going to be you know the Bengals have climbed back into it and those are probably going to be tough games but uh you know i think they have uh you know a pretty easy division and they've got some some more winnable games it feels like on their schedule than the bills do now the bills are probably the better team uh you know by a not significant margin but but a, a decent margin. So you don't want to drop the tiebreaker and and have it come down to that at the end for home field advantage because I think home field advantage is, is going to be quite big for the Bills when it comes to the playoffs. If Even if you go no further than not having to go to Arrowhead at some point. So... This one will matter uh, for that. And you don't want to, you know, lose in the conference and you don't want to lose head to head to the Ravens. So this is a game of the week material. Mm-hmm. This is a, uh, you know, maybe a one o'clock kick. And again, for the second straight week, there may be some weather to contend with. So, you know, that's going to be a factor in terms of, you know, the, the flawless execution we get uh, in this game. From both sides, but uh, it should be one of those games that that everybody's tuned into uh, on the schedule, especially when you peruse the week four schedule. This one stands out in a big way. Yeah, as it stands for from a weather perspective, um, looking at it now, uh, it's like the wind is not going to be crazy. So the there will be an ability to throw if if you can deal with a wet football. Um, so it says the average wind will be about 15 miles an hour. Um, but there's going to be the, the rain amount for that Sunday in Baltimore is like 0.27 inches, which it's going to be a lot of rain. Um, uh, I've, you know, a, uh, the channel two sports director here in Buffalo, Adam Benini, uh, asked Sean McDermott a question and it's like, yeah, our, our meteorologist said the word monsoon to me about what it could be like on Sunday. So I don't know if it'll be monsoon level, but second straight game in Baltimore, uh, for the bills that where it's going to be a, a super rainy day. Cause that was the, of course the, the famous Nathan Peterman got to watch the tape game, but uh, Josh Allen's debut. Yes, Josh Allen's he, uh, much is different unexpected terms. debut. Um, yeah, he was not supposed to debut that day, but Nathan Peterman saw to it that Josh Allen got on the field, and it was exceptionally rainy on that day. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you add in a little little wind, uh, it could be it could be messy. Uh, temperatures will be fine. Yeah. It's just another you know, element that they have to contend with another different one, which, Hey, get them, get them all out of the way and, and figure out how to figure out what the pitfalls are in each type of game. They, they checked a few of those off last year with the, uh, super cold playoff game that, that they won in a route, the windy game. Uh, they haven't had, you know, a crazy snow game in a while, (laughs) but, um, 
you know, that that's sure to sure to come. And they've got some experience there, but it's probably been a, a little bit since a, a rain game like this. It seemed like they had a lot of wind last year yeah. uh, that they had to deal with. So not just the Patriots game. There were a few other games. And the rain is is certainly another challenge, especially for a team that is not running the ball well and, you know, is really leaning on throwing it. Uh, you know, you gotta gotta keep those footballs dry. <laughs> I, I almost feel like I I favor and we saw Josh Allen uh throw through that wind in, in a couple of different uh settings. And you know, the Bills really didn't have many reservations about throwing it in those adverse weather conditions. So I almost wonder if that kind of favors the Bills a little bit in being able to throw it um as well as or or better than what the Ravens have have been able to because you know the Ravens I'm not sure that they go through as many huge weather events as um as the Bills probably have uh and you know I I think to this point Josh Allen it, Lamar has been awesome throwing the football this year but I I think I would be comfortable in saying that Josh Allen is a more um uh what's the what's the word I'm looking for accomplished passer to this point in his uh, of the two careers even though Lamar has taken a legitimate step forward in in that spot I the one thing that that uh I wonder about is that neither of these these teams are really running all that well with their running backs like Lamar Jackson has been awesome um but the Ravens offensive line is in shambles and that's basically what's going on with the Bills, too. And it's led to an over-reliance for both of these teams to um, to really focus solely on their quarterbacks, their MVP quarterbacks, which isn't exactly a, a bad thing um, in moderation. But, for instance, we talked about on the post-game show about how many plays Josh Allen was involved with, and we were kind of guesstimating that was in the 70s. Um, it was 75 out of 90 going back and and compiling all of it, which is an Allen to uh, run ratio, which is how I termed it, um, or Allen to running back ratio, Allen to non-Allen ratio, we should we should call it, of 83 to 17%, which is, I think, unsustainable <laughs> um, if you don't want to, uh, you know, have, have your quarterback be... Um, totally uh, at liberty of, of having more hits at him. And there's also the, the kind of thing where you want to be a little bit more multifaceted as an offense. And I will give Sean McDermott credence to, to this idea of it. Like you, it's not to say that you have to run and make it a 50, 50 split or even a 60, 40 split, but having the semblance of a ground game is more beneficial to your play action and everything like that. It's something, it's something that we've talked about on the show um, in past years when they were kind of going through it and the bills were at their most dynamic last year at the end of the season. Once they started to show that, uh, that they could run the ball. But the big problem with all of this is they have to rely on Josh Allen right now because the offensive line has been, a hot mess. Um, the Miami game, certainly, uh, as the star of the show for being a hot mess. That game reminded me of some of the offensive line performances we saw in 2018. And there's a there's a huge like trickle-down effect from this because if the offensive line is not blocking well, then that, that brings in... Um, that brings into play whether or not you actually want to run the ball. And it also impacts the pocket and Josh Allen as a passer in general, having to get the ball out quicker than maybe he would want to, uh, and as opposed to setting things up uh, with some quick throws early in the game for some down the field shots later. He's not getting, he did not get that time in Miami uh, to take those, to take those big shots down the field. And I think that was an issue. They did not have Mitch Morse in that game, which is significant. Um, but outside, outside of Morse and Dawkins, it's, it's been kind of an, an up and down struggle. The guard play this year with Saffold and Bates has not been good. Um, seems like it's just a, 
never-ending story for the Bills. Their guard play has been has been insufficient, uh, basically, for a long time now. Um, and then Spencer Brown, he had a stretch in the second quarter uh, against the Dolphins where he allowed, I think, like four or five pressures in a couple of series. It was it was a bad look. Um, and he he wound up leaving the game due to heat illness. So maybe that impacted things a little bit, um, but it's not been the first time he struggled this season. So they have 60% of their offensive line that's a question mark right now. And that's assuming that Mitch Morse will play. If Mitch Morse doesn't play, that puts Greg Van Roten in the lineup and and Greg Van Roten should not be starting ever. Um, just not, doesn't have it. Um, it. And from my perspective, from what I've seen, the fir- the first two games of legitimate snaps and that that leads you to a situation where how does it get better um how does the running game get better when maybe you don't have the pieces on the offensive line that you might want how much can you scheme up a running game when a lot of the guys are just losing their blocks like Saffold has been a huge disappointment and that game against the Dolphins it um, his worst of the bunch so far, you know, kudos to him for making it all the way through the game. But like, it, it's, it's been rough for him. He was declining last year. The bills hoped that they would be able to get him in and, um, have him be, a, an average to above average guard. And, and he has not been that so far. So some, some major issues here, which has proved to, you know, which has brought us to this point where there's just been this over-reliance on Allen. And I think we're starting to see the impact of that a little bit based on what we saw in the Dolphins game. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, they need to find a 
some sort of second pitch, right? Like, I think when you have a quarterback as special as Josh Allen, you can lean on him the way that they have to get through some tough stretches. But in order to be a team that is a little bit tougher to prepare for, and they're already tough to prepare for because nobody really wants to go up against Josh Allen, but if you can't run the ball and that is also married with not being able to pass protect super well, that starts to mess up some of what you can do on offense. Mm -hmm. And it should get better as they get healthier, but this was also an area that we highlighted before the season as a potential problem depending on how all the pieces came together. It's always better when Mitch Morse is in there, for starters. Mm -hmm. Reliable, you know what you're going to get, and he makes players around him better. Deion Dawkins has been... You know, solid. Um, he's a guy that you would think that they can count on. Spencer Brown, I, I think, is probably the big question mark for me because I think you knew a little bit that they were patching things together at guard. And when Mitch Morris is healthy, I think you can get away with that to an extent, especially with the quarterback that you have who is really elusive and seems better at handling interior pressure than a lot of quarterbacks. It's not just pressure. It's somehow when the pressure is coming right at him, uh, which is usually doomsday for most quarterbacks, that he tends to thrive somehow. But, you know, that exterior pressure coming off the edge can make things tricky uh, when you're, you know, a guy that likes to break the pocket. And that's a spot that, Look, they're, tr tr you know, guessing a little bit at guard with Saffold and, and trying to, you know, hope that he's got another good year in him. Uh, Ryan Bates, you know, we'll see if he's able to play. You'd like for him to, to turn a corner a little bit because he was a little bit of a projection as well. Uh, you know, he was a guy that didn't have a, a long, you know, track record of being a starter, but they, you know, liked what they saw. Spencer Brown is one that, you know, you spent a pretty early draft pick on and you want him to become at least reliable at right tackle. So him finding a little bit more success would would probably be the biggest deal, I think. I think you can the guard stuff might hurt the running game long term, but pass protection wise, you want Spencer Brown to to get right. And it's going to be an interesting you know, Justin Houston is a good pass rusher for Baltimore. Uh, he's he's played well this year. But Baltimore's defense as a whole has not been itself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're not they're, – they're dealing with a ton of injuries. And so I'm curious how they can potentially take advantage of some of this offensive line play that, that the Bills are fighting through because – the rain doesn't necessarily impact the passing game the way wind would mm -hmm. because, you know, defensive backs are going to have a hard time getting their footing and you could end up, you know, in some ways with an advantage in the passing game. But where I do think it could have some impact is in the quick passing game because those quicker routes and, you know, receivers trying to make those quick cuts, Allen trying to make those quick throws, you know, getting his feet set really quick. I think, you know, in the rain, there could be some issues. And we saw that was a great solution to the offensive line. One reason we weren't really nitpicking the offensive line after week one was because they got the ball out so quickly mm -hmm. and they weren't tested. And so that's a great way to, to solve this problem. But I'll be curious to see if the rain comes into play because if you can't get yourself set and if you can't reliably make those those throws, not because you know we've seen Josh Allen make those in his sleep, but because the weather's a little bit off, you know it, it makes it harder to have the quick passing game be your replacement for the running game, and so we'll see how you know I'm you know what Ken Dorsey comes up with for a game plan and and how much the elements come into play on Sunday because this is a beatable defense. They're now just working around how much can they trust that offensive line. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And you can trust it more than most because you have a quarterback who can buy himself time and who can almost serve as an extra offensive lineman the way he can take rushers out of the play by making them miss. And I think that that bodes well for, you know, hitting on some deep passes in this game. I think there are big plays to be had against this Ravens defense. It's just that that other part of their passing game that has been so good, you know, finding a way to make that work with, you know, rain on the way. Yeah, they need to find a way to be able to target guys like Stevens and Armour Davis uh, in that in that Ravens secondary because they are they are those are beatable matchups for them. I do wonder like what the run game will look like this week because I think it's McDermott has kind of he he hasn't gone full full on with it yet, but he has definitely started to allude to needing to run the ball a bit more effectively uh, in press conference settings. And that's just been, you know, water is wet. The sky is blue. Sean McDermott wants to be more effective running when when the Bills aren't <laughs> effective running the ball uh, because he, he he would like that to be more of a factor in, in the offensive tack. So I wonder what this, this week will look like. Uh, and not specifically like how often they run, but the types of of carries that they utilize. Because a lot of what they've done in the first three weeks has been this outside zone stuff, um, and it hasn't been effective. There was one play uh, against the Dolphins that worked because the Dolphins were playing man-to-man coverage, and they were playing Allen uh, on a on a uh, fake RPO, it was a it was a nice play call. Don't get me wrong, uh, but they were playing him for the RPO to pull it back because they they didn't believe him <laughs> that that they were actually going to run the ball because of how effective the Dolphins were. Zach Moss winds up uh, heading to the edge. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie was charging at his cornerback as a blocker. Uh, just that's why it was kind of a, a fake RPO look there. And that's and Moss beat one guy and he got down the field for 43 yards. That has been basically the extent of their rushing game. So I wonder if maybe they work in a little bit more pin and pull. Maybe they work in a little bit more power elements because they have kind of drifted away from that uh, this year and try and because I think that could still be a strength of Saffold's. And Singletary is not the best between the the tackles runner we know that but i think he maximizes runs and i think that's what the bills want out of out of their ground game just get like four five six yards you know like i don't think anyone's expecting them to break a huge play um out of the ground game i don't think the blocking is going to get there for that but if you can utilize some of the uh, utilize some more power principles and and get down the field that way then then uh, I think that might be a way to try and influence the ground game a little bit but you know the the outside rushes have not been working um and it hasn't been the back's fault their yards before contact has been putrid uh in that in that dolphins game you know the moss the moss play uh he went 43 yards before getting touched so that that uh, influences the overall numbers. Outside of that that play, they had exactly one yard collectively before contact on thirteen other rushes, which is absurd if you think about it. Um, the running backs were just got no runway whatsoever. Singletary, Moss, Cook, they had to bail out uh, bad blocks in front of them specifically Singletary and Moss. Uh, they did a nice job in, in kind of like dodging some players in the backfield just to get up towards the line of scrimmage. So that's – but I do think that there's going to be an opportunity to run a, a little bit more against this Ravens defense. And you wouldn't think that because, you know, the when, when you think about the Ravens, you're like, okay, Lamar, Mar- Mark Andrews, great defense. That's that's what they do. But, you know, like, like I said before, Pierce, their nose tackle, who is one of their big keys in stopping the run, is now out, potentially for the season. Uh, Houston, Justin Houston may, might not play in this game after you know sitting out early uh, in practice this week. 
Um, and so now they're depending on guys like uh, Travis Jones, who's a younger player, hasn't really established himself. I think his name is Broderick Washington in the middle. Like, these are unproven guys that when you go back and watch them on film are able to be pushed around a little bit. So I wonder if the Bills might get a little bit more powerful here and try and influence it that way. Um, just to take something off of Josh Allen's plate and then, you know, make their play action game, their passing game a little bit more effective. I think that's that might be the the counterpunch here because they have to do something. Uh, the 83% Allen uh, involvement to me is, you know, it's it's great because he's a he's an, an all-world player, but I think they need to pivot away from that just slightly just for the overall um, health of their offense, I'll, I'll say. And I wonder how much they're going to be willing to get James Cook involved because, you know, when it's raining, you're more likely to fumble. And he had that issue in week one. Are they going to trust him? Because he also has looked like a potential source for explosive plays mm-hmm. in the running game. And, the more he gets involved, the more they can find a spark there. I think the better off they are. But it does feel like a Singletary type of game. He has become the running back who is reliable, can re- reliably, you know, get solid runs, you know, turn something into, you know, moving forward, get positive yards. And he showed really well in the passing game last week as well. You know, he was he was very comfortable as the check down option and really has just become the the established veteran that they can count on in a backfield that I don't think Sean McDermott feels that way about Zach Moss and James Cook just yet. So this could be a a heavy dose of Singletary for sure. And maybe it's, you know, a little bit more. Uh, of Josh Allen trying to make things happen as well, because I think there will be an, on a defense like this, that's playing a lot of backups. I think you're not going to have the same type of assignment sound group. And that makes for openings to take off and get yards and get down. And I think that's where this Ravens defense is down near the, bottom of the league and forcing three and outs. They're down near the bottom of the league and uh, pressuring the quarterback. They're down in the bottom half of the league uh, in pass defense in terms of uh, EPA per drop back. They're, you know, a middling run, run defending team. So in most categories, this is a beatable group. It's not the, the same Ravens defense that we've seen in the past. And a lot of that is because of injury. So there will be, opportunities during the game to to hit on big plays and I, I think that's where you know it's going to be tempting I think to to lean back into that Josh Allen uh you know 83 to 17 ratio a little bit because he's obviously the source of of most big plays and I do think you know him getting outside the pocket in this one could be dangerous when you have so many backups running around the field mm-hmm and the yeah the i think cook is interesting here for this game specifically because they are already down Jake Kumaro they might be down Gabe Davis if uh, he's unable to practice on Friday we'll see uh, my guess is even if he's not they'll still list him, list him as questionable and take it up to game time but if Gabe Davis does not play that leaves the bills with four receivers Stefan Diggs Isaiah McKenzie Jamison Crowder and Khalil Shakir Um, I kind of wonder if James Cook becomes the de facto fourth or fifth wide receiver in that situation. Uh, maybe they line them out wide. They, they've done that a few times so far this year, some with some success. Um, he usually gets a, a linebacker or a safety on him, which is a win for the bills, especially if the, the opposition is in man to man and, uh, the Ravens right now are right in the middle of the pack for how much they play man-to-man coverage. They play it on twenty. They have played it in their first three games on twenty-five percent of their snaps. 
So there is there is likely going to be some opportunities there for to to catch the Ravens in man to man coverage and potentially exploit a mismatch. So Cook is someone I've I've kind of got my eye on here um, for a bigger passing game involvement potentially in this one because if if they're not going to go the power route and try and you know push up the middle between the tackles behind Saffold and and Dawkins, then I wonder if maybe it's the quick passing game with Cook that will uh, help open up their the rest of their passing offense. So you know I'm not expecting a, a crazy workload by any means. I'm with you. I think this is going to be you know get back to basics, get back to what worked for them last year and what worked for them at the end of last year was a, a heavy dose of Devin Singletary. You know I you know up until that Zach Moss huge run, I kind of wonder like. Are they going to go back to a two running back thing here and um, only and, and go with Singletary and Cook moving forward? But I think Moss definitely bought himself another week. I think the injuries are certainly buying him another week. Uh, and it's not even to say that Moss has been ineffective. It's just if they're not relying on the running game, then there's not a huge point to dressing three running backs, uh, especially if you put so much into Devin Singletary and you want that explosive element of James Cook as well. So those are just some things I'm kind of pondering with this offense. You know, I, I do think this is going to be a, a Stefan Diggs versus Marcus Peters sort of game. Um, whoever, whoever is lined up against, uh, you know, Peters and Humphrey are going to be tough to deal with, but whoever is lined up against their third cornerback, I think has a chance to have a really nice day. Uh, whether it's Crowder or McKenzie or Shakir uh, one, or Davis. One of those three guys, um, I think, will will have a, a pretty solid game as long as the, the weather isn't so overbearing in this one. But yeah, this is it, it's a very convoluted issue. And we're not talking about the defense, even though the defense has had so many um, so many injuries. They've also played Lamar pretty well, but that was past versions of Lamar. So a lot of things to consider here, uh, and yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a wild game between between these two teams. But defending Lamar and defending Mark Andrews, Andrews is the is the piece to this that's especially intriguing because he's had 24 targets over the last two weeks. I mean, just insane stuff for the tight end position, and. Lamar has looked awesome throwing it to him. But the Bills have been usually pretty good against tight ends. But that's also been when they've had Micah Hyde in the lineup. So I wonder if maybe there's a little bit of a a drop-off in in how well they defend the tight end uh, with their zone coverage if they don't have Micah Hyde back there sniffing things out the, the way that he always has. So, yeah, so it's th- those are the two main elements that the Bills are going to need to stop in this game. Um, and, you know, it's it's going to be challenging by all means. Yeah, lucky for them they have their two linebackers healthy. Yeah. Uh, you know, among the, the rash of injuries, those guys have, have been spared. If Poyer can't go, then it, it's it definitely makes things tough. Lamar's pushing the ball downfield more than he has in the past, uh, in terms of you know how effective he's been throwing to the deep part of the field. And Andrews is certainly uh, a part of that equation. So I am interested to see without Micah Hyde because I, you know I think defending the tight end has been such a strength of this defense, and sometimes. Sean McDermott's defense works so well as a as a sum of the parts, right? I think the best example is that they didn't have any pro bowlers last year. I think because a lot of people have trouble parsing out who's who's most responsible, who deserves, you know, the the most credit for, you know, what they're doing. And I think that's true of them defending tight ends that it is very much a a group effort uh because of how they scheme things up and because of their zone coverage that they can really bottle guys up. How much does that, that, you know, does missing a key cog in that machine, uh, Micah Hyde, impact what they're able to do, or can they figure it out? And and this is the biggest test they'll get all year. Par- probably the best tight end in football, the most tight end, you know, 
reliant offense in football and a quarterback that just loves, you know, going to him and is probably at his best when he's throwing to him. So you've got that element and then you've got Rashad Bateman who can really, you know, in a blink of an eye, you know, have a big play on you. Mm -hmm. And with, you know, again, you saw last week with Jalen Waddell, you know, one or two of those is all an offense needs to really flip things. And so it could be a test, you know, for the corners, another game without Tredavious White, uh, no Benford. So, you know, Elam, uh, maybe Dane Jackson, if he plays, who knows, we'll see. But, you know, it could be, you know, one of those guys in the spotlight against Bateman because, you know, he's capable of of busting the game open as well. Yeah, I, I think they can expect to see that play that uh, – corkscrewed their defense for 45 yards again from Baltimore until they they prove they can defend it uh properly um because why wouldn't you from from a Baltimore perspective I mean dial it up make put some pressure on the uh on the the back end of the Bills defense because that ball was out of to his hand pretty pretty quickly so um so yeah I think I think they can expect to see that and the sum of the parts point is perfect because they did that last year and they've leaned into it even more heavily this year they are barely second in the league um in the amount of zone coverage they've they've played so far through three weeks only the rams have played zone coverage at a higher rate than the bills the rams are at 87.7 percent the bills are at 87.3 percent so i think we're going to see a lot of that continuing up until the point where Tredavious White gets back and feels fully back. Just because he's on the field doesn't mean he'll necessarily be back at that point. But when when he starts to feel like himself again, I think that that'll be the time maybe they start to mix in a little bit more man coverage because you're not you're not um, going to be there's there's no point to to put that much on, on your team's plate, um, uh, to, to, uh, try and have these man coverage things, especially when your front four is winning as successfully as they are. And the Ravens offensive line has not been all that great this year. So they might get Ronnie Stanley back there. Their big time left tackle remains to be seen even still outside of him. Uh, the, uh, across the line, I think the bills can, can win. Uh, outside of Ronnie Stanley, so, so yeah, a lot of different elements, but I think I think the Bills will probably stay within their scheme. Maybe blitz a few more times if they have some of their their guys back, like Poyer, and that they feel like they can trust in the back end. But but yeah, I think I think we're we've seen pretty much what the formula is going to be. All right, let's get to the Shaq Lawson meditation prediction hour. Uh, before I checked before the episode, the Bills were favored by three points. I'll, I'll check just to make sure it's we've got the the live line. Yeah, the Bills are still favored by three points. Uh, the total is 51, uh, and I believe it started at 52. So uh, people have been listening to Matt Fairburn, I believe, and they're starting to bet the under on these Bills because, you know, the the under is currently undefeated. Uh, from a Bills perspective. So, Matt Fairburn, who wins? Who covers? And what about the over-under? I I have the Bills winning this game again. Uh, I think the way the Ravens' defense is playing gives me confidence that the Bills' offense will get back on track. Not that they were off track uh, on uh, Sunday. They put up a ton of yards and, you know, really were able to to keep the ball away from the the Dolphins, but in terms of scoring and and you know finishing and and putting up uh, points that they have you know been able to to have in the first few games, I think they'll they'll be a little bit more efficient. Certainly, you know the rain is going to come into play, but I have the Bills covering that three point spread. I have the Bills winning a one score game in this one. I think it's going to be a lot, I think or I think it'll be less than than ten points. They haven't won by. Is it less than ten points, or is it just one score games? I think it's one score games. I'll I'll say they win by one score. Uh, and I'm taking the under, of course. I mean, <laughs> I can't I can't be off the streak. I was a little bit hesitant at first, but the weather is giving me some comfort here because 
Again, this is the highest over under that I'm seeing on the board right now. A lot of that's going to be because of the Bills. The Ravens are putting up points as well. Ravens defense has been uh, very helpful for the over under this year. But I think two things come into play. I would probably be picking the under even if it weren't for the rain. And I think a big part of it is the familiarity between these two teams. And it's a little bit, you know, it's been a little while since they, they, you know, played, but there's a little bit of a rivalry there. There's a little bit of that uh, playoff type atmosphere. And I think some of those, those jitters uh, might, you know, might cause some of the scoring that along with the weather cause some of the scoring to stall. You know, teams will be able to move the ball, but you know, there's going to be some miscues that'll, that'll leave points on the field. You might see some tough conditions for kicking field goals, which could leave some points on the field. So it's a high number still, you know, if this were in the high forties, maybe, you know, we have a different conversation, but still feels like a high number and we got to ride, we got to ride it till the wheels fall off. So I'm taking <laughs> the under. Well, I I'm with you on, on two of those things. I, I think the bills are going to win this game. Uh, and I think the bills are going to cover, but I think this might be a sneaky over spot because of how much, how much people are talking about the weather. People are betting the under right now. And I think these two teams and and how they can be effective, I, I want to say slightly rainproof um, for, for what they do out there. So I'm not overly concerned about the scoring environment from, from a Bills and Ravens perspective. These are two prolific offenses. I think in a regular weather setting, this totals probably like... 54 55 because of how how good these these two offenses have been and when you figure in all all of the injuries that that both teams have uh have encountered on the defensive side of things even if the bills get players back you know they're still dealing with you know either Kair Elam and one of Jamarcus Ingram, Cam Lewis, Saran Neal or Kair Elam and Dane Jackson at cornerback. So there's going to be opportunities there. They're, they're going to get Mark Andrews the ball. And, and so I think that they're going to scheme up ways to do that. Greg Roman is a good offensive coordinator. Uh, Ken Dorsey has shown his chops so far in the season to where they have had opportunities even when they have not executed. So I, I, I like the over here. I'm, I like the number because they, uh, you know, a couple of days ago, I had to make a prediction for for Channel Seven. I had the Bills winning twenty seven seventeen, but I don't like that anymore. I, I think I think both the, both these teams are going to score. I was worried about the win more than anything, um, but the win doesn't seem like it's going to be totally uh, crazy uh, from the way that it looks right now. So I've got the over in this one, and I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take the Bills like you probably in that one score range. I would not be surprised if this one lines up like. 30 to 24 or something like that. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll take those three things and I'm going to take, I'm going to ride the over until it hits. How about that? It's going to happen at some point. It can't last forever, but it, this, this one is a weird one because you don't know what, just how nasty the weather will get a couple right. days out. And so we'll see. It's what an happens. opportunity for the, it's opponent. a, yeah, it's a, it's again, not something I would advise, uh, <laughs> anybody to be, uh, spending harder and money on because who knows it could just like last week with the injuries, you know, the line could change and things could get a little bit weird. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. These, uh, these two teams have scored just a boatload this, this season. I mean, they, they have, um, really, and the Bills' scoring average came down last week because they only put up 19. But as we kind of pointed out um, in the writing and on the postgame show, the Bills very easily could have been in the 30s if they had just executed. So I think – and the Ravens have been scoring nonstop, and it really hasn't mattered the the type of opponent they've been up against. So, yeah, I sneaky over spot because of the weather. I, I mean, that – I, I'm just really grasping at at straws here. Uh, I just I just don't know it. Uh, it's got to happen eventually. <laughs> they cannot they cannot under the entire season. 
So I'm, I, that's, uh, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to stay on my brand this year. I, I don't know how I'm, how I've turned into King over and after Fairburn was away for one year, but you know, he's a more responsible man these days and, and, uh, talking about hydration and, you know, being, uh, not spending Shouldn't be a problem in the rain, hard earned cash. What's that? Shouldn't be a problem in the rain this week, but we'll see. Yeah. The the hydration should be should be a little bit easier to maintain in this uh, in this spot. Would they be too hydrated at that point? That's the 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 footballs are going to be overhydrated, and that's going to be the, the real problem. Yep, there it is. Okay, uh, I think that'll do it for for this episode. Unless you have any other sage words of advice for the listeners out there, I've got nothing. very well all right so the bills are taking on the ravens another one o'clock kickoff the basically the entire country will be watching this one so all eyes will be on the bills the ravens josh allen lamar jackson and maybe the weather maybe a lot of points or maybe not you know we we, we've been uh, surprised before this season so we shall see All right, so for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Buffalo Beat, and we will talk to you after the game on Sunday. See you then.